Lousy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fly Sweet Podcast, partnered with RaiderRamble.com. Head on over to RaiderRamble.com for all your Raider needs. Excuse me, actually. I should say another Victory Monday episode of the Fly Sweet Podcast. I tell you what, Jose, you know what my new five favorite words are? I don't know. I'm scared. Nate Pete game-winning drive. <laughs> The Peterman? The Peterman. No, 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 no. He's Nate Pete now. Peterman. Peterman was Nate the guy Pete. in Buffalo. We, we got Nate Pete now. We're rebranding. I'm, I'm working on this. We need to get this going. Nate Pete was probably his name in high school when he was one of like the main players in the team, like when he was like a stud. Just like, hey, you just walk Nate around Pete. the high school and like the locker room, I mean, at the locker room, the hallway, one strap in the backpack, wearing his Leatherman jacket. Nate Pete, what's up, man? What's good, <laughs> boy? What are we doing tonight? Oh, absolutely. That's what we need, though. We need to bring him back up. Build up the confidence in the guy. Bring him back to those high school days. I like it. Yeah, and the road to the Super Bowl is continuing on. The, the undefeated season, 3-0. Keep and oh. going, man. Keep if going. They're not, <laughs> if, they're not, if they're not in a consideration for the playoffs, you guys are blind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? We're, we're going to win the preseason championship. That's for sure. <laughs> Last week's game did come with another victory against the uh, the against the Packers. Like we said, another last minute drive by our guy Nate Pete to set up the game winning field goal. So I'm curious, Jose, what's uh what's your biggest takeaway from last week? Come on, man, I'm the cornerback guy. I'm biased. It has to be <laughs> Keyshawn Nixon. That oh, yeah. guy is just or Keelan Nixon, whatever his name is. Keyshawn. That guy. That's that, that's ex- that's how that's how out of touch I've been with how with with this player. Apparently, he's been doing very solid to the first two games, and this one, he just completely blew it up. I mean, I do want to take a little bit of a step back. He wasn't playing against, like, official starting caliber players, but still, you figure he's not, he him himself isn't a starting caliber player, so at least you know when he's going up against similar talent, he does a fine job. He did better than fine. He was yeah. sticking with his players. I noticed he was staying on his hip, which is good. Nice little hand fighting, you know, could mm-hmm. be called either way, which is something a little scared now in the NFL because, you know, they tend to favor offense for offensive pass interference and doing a little, you know, tugging over there. Well, let me just toss this red flag and challenge this guy. But no, he really was looking very sound, very solid. There's a little there's a nice little promise that's going there with him. And it helped this case out when you have Nick Nelson over there just completely yep. demolishing, just imploding. I mean, what the hell? Um, I know yeah. we did we did a little some some reviews like earlier in the offseason, Matt, and like I said, I don't see him really making the team at all. And this just further confirms my point. Yeah. But no, Keyshawn Nixon, that's my takeaway that it's looking good for him. But not just him. How about like the rest of like the depth chart pieces? I know I know some of these players aren't gonna necessarily be on the team anymore, but overall it feels good and solid compared to like at least last season mm-hmm. that if you go if you want to dig deeper on the depth chart that okay there are some players not not, not nothing really like a standout talent but at least there are going to be players that you can throw out there in the rotation for us for like a set of plays that you don't necessarily have to worry too much about which is great you want some uniform talent it's not it's not a good concentration of quality talent but it's overall pretty solid yeah i mean you know, like you said, like we keep saying with uh, 
with the preseason and whatnot, you can only go up against the guys that you're lined up across against. You yeah. can't help what you have lined up against you. And I mean, like you said, Keyson Nixon has done everything he can to basically prove his case. And, you know, I'm not ready to, to qualify him as a starter or anything or say he's going to no, start no. over Conley, obviously. But he showed great promise. You know, we talked about corner and defensive back being one of the deepest positions uh, on this team before the preseason even, even started. And, you know, we didn't even mention Keyson Nixon, and he's just adding to that. And, I mean, I know we mentioned this, you know, I, or you mentioned uh, Nick Nelson. You know, little, little stats for you from, via PFF. Uh, Keyson Nixon in the preseason in three games has been targeted 15 times and allowed five catches. Nick Nelson in two preseason games, because he missed the first one, has been targeted 12 times and given up 10 receptions. Like, Nick Nelson, again, like we were talking about him. I like the guy a lot. I talked about him a lot before the preseason started. But Trevor Davis and really every Packers receiver on Thursday just tore him apart. And honestly, unfortunately for him, I think cost him a roster spot because it was like watching him. It was just it was painful. There were times where I'm like, dude, you look like you're running in cement right now. Like, come on. and. But more credit to Keyshawn Nixon. He's taken advantage and, I mean, doing everything he can to make this team. And I, I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he does end up making it. And yeah, we'll get, we'll get a little closer to that when we do our little who's making the cuts for certain positions. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to ignore the elephant in the room between yeah. the two players at this point. Maybe what John Gruden's feeling like. Is he going to be able to be like, I, I got to cut Nick Nelson, who was my draft pick in mm-hmm. the fourth round? Yeah, the fourth round pick. Yeah, that's that's you know it's nothing serious at that point, but it's like oh come on, you're gonna let go of a fourth round pick, you know, and then you gotta think about what what he's gonna do maybe at interior alignment, which once again we'll touch on later. Yeah, but yeah, man, it's just just beyond just that position at corner, just overall just felt pretty pretty nice out there, just in terms of the depth, and it feels like. Gruden's definitely going to have to make some difficult decisions. Yes. Which is great. You know, if you're making difficult decisions, that says a lot about your football team and what, yeah. you, what you've been doing about picking players on your personnel. Yeah. So I can't wait to depth. see what's going to happen. And I'm just looking forward to how we're going to preview this because I'm curious what you have to say for some of these players. Yeah. Well, you know, it is the preseason. So we'll go ahead and we'll start doing a little transition to our our 53-man projection since cut-down day is going to be on Saturday. You know, like we said, guys like Keyson Nixon these last couple of weeks have really shown out, and I think that's really going to benefit a lot of young guys. But we'll start with the quarterback. Um, you know, before we, before we gloss over all this, Derek Carr and Mike Lennon are going to be the, the starter and backup. That's uh, pretty much a foregone conclusion at this point. You know, the only question is, are they going to keep three? Um, and with Nathan Peterman has been so bad in his career uh, to start out, I think they can get away with stashing him on the practice squad again. I'd be very surprised if he got picked up on waivers. But I want to say this about my guy, Nate Pete. If Nate Pete makes this team, makes the 53-man roster, not the practice squad, and not gets picked up or gets called up later, if he makes the team on Saturday, I will buy a Nathan Peterman jersey and I will wear it every single game this year. I swear. I put it put it on it. Nate Pete makes a team come next come Saturday. I'll I'll get a jersey. 
then you might have accidentally just hexed Derek Carr for another injury plague season because and then <laughs> incoming Nathan Peterman onto the field. No, I mean, no. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm just saying, no, no, it's got to be on Saturday. If Derek Carr gets hurt during in like week three and Nate P gets the call, no, I'm not doing it. But if he makes it Saturday, I swear to you, Jose, and all of our listeners out there, I won't let you down. I'm buying a Nate Pete jersey. You hear that, guys? Matt is advocating for the starting role of Nathan Peterman. Yeah, give me all he the smoke. He wants Nathan give Peterman. Give it he all. wants Derek Carr benched. It's official. <laughs> exactly. Let this spread like wildfire right now. Exactly. <laughs> Other than one drive I saw, he looked he looked good enough that he didn't let the that he didn't ruin the game, which yeah. is good because at that point those players are trying to win and really ball out because once again they want to they want to get a spot on the roster. Yeah. Um, I don't think Nathan. Oh, actually, I don't want to say that. <laughs> because Gruden, you just never know a Gruden, man. This yeah. guy is the most unpredictable guy out there, which is so funny why some of these talking media heads always swear they like, oh, John Gruden views <laughs> this about Antonio Brown. I mean, I know me and you kind of blew him up, but it's sobered up compared to what like anyone on Fox Sports was saying yeah. and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, man, it's when just... we started talking about it and saying how it can affect the relationship was when Antonio Brown actually was missing practice over this, not... yeah months ago when it was speculating in our yeah. defense but. yeah man it's just once again john gruden unpredictable he could he could probably be like you know what i want to keep peterman and roll with three cornerbacks yeah i feel like he shouldn't roll with three quarterbacks because no, that's an no. extra spot you can give somewhere else you know you can give to wide receivers you can give to interior linemen heck you can give to the offensive line which is clearly <laughs> looking like your weakest in terms of health so yeah. you need to have bodies on deck you just want you just want to keep rolling out random random players out of free agency and just, oh, we're just going to throw them in there and just whatever. We're just rolling out a team somewhat. Yeah. But, yeah, man, it's just who, whoever it's going to be between the two, I think Glennon's winning the backup spot. For sure. And then, honestly, they it, Gruden needs to let go of Peterman. Just let him go. Don't waste that spot. You know, no one carries yeah. three quarterbacks anymore. It's not, like, the ideal scenario. You only carry three quarterbacks if you have, like, Jimmy Garoppolo on your team who's known to be <laughs> injury as hell or yeah. Marcus Mariota or something like that. But other than that, I, I, he needs to let go of Peterman, keep going in as a backup. Regardless of whoever the backup, you're screwed as a team if Garrett Carr goes down. However, I really think John Gruden was going to keep Peterman just for the ego's sake and just be like, oh, I'm working <laughs> on this guy. You guys think he's bad, but look, 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 he's doing all right, man. I'm, I'll tell you what, you know, man. Yeah. I mean, I do think, like I said, I think they can store him on practice squad as an emergency guy. Pointing out, yeah, but do you even they... want to waste the practice? That's one. That's another spot. Do you even want to waste a practice squad spot? I mean, that, I I could definitely see him on there from Gruden's perspective. I don't think they should waste a practice squad position on him because what is he? You only get seven people on there, right? Or uh, you get one there. I think isn't it ten now? But oh, is it ten? Yeah, and I, think I don't so. think it's. Oh well, either it's at or... least eight. I know that. But well, either or, it's still way, it's still yeah, a limited yeah. position, you exactly. know. I mean, where are you going to put all these players? I'm pretty sure at least one of the interior linemen that that are in this that are, that they have are going to go on there. At least one. Yep. Um, yeah. probably some back end corner, some back end receiver, and it's just going to be a tough spot. I mean, at least you know if you put Peterman on the practice squad, no one's <laughs> going to pick him up. Yeah. I mean, come on, no sure. one's going to pick him up. But like you were saying, you know, if you do keep three quarterbacks, the problem is. Is running back, you know, obviously yeah. Josh Jacobs is a lock, Jalen Richard's a lock. It looks like DeAndre Washington is a lock. Um, Doug Martin, you know, I would think is a lock. You know, he <laughs> hasn't played much, but I could, I could see Doug getting cut just because he's older, and they might want to move on. Go ahead and lump fullback in with the running backs. 
now you're just kind of getting crowded and that's it's i'm curious who out of martin washington ingold and smith do you think makes this roster jose uh it's gonna be ingold martin and washington actually okay it's i think Keith smith is bye-bye although he did i think he did give he did definitely give himself like a nice like a nice little like positive note so i think his i think the fullback position is 100 percent coming down to game four in that case i mean i know he had one nice little out route out of the backfield for a catch for a touchdown but i mean i'm pretty sure alec ingle looks a little faster than Keith smith not to mention he's cheaper. Yeah. Um, he's a pretty good blocker. I don't know how much of a better blocker he is from Keith Smith, but from what I've seen so far at the preseason game, he's a pretty good blocker. It's just it just sounds like a better value to go with Ingold, you know, it's just better yeah. value. There's more there's more stuff you can do with him. He also has good special teams capability. I know Keith Smith mm-hmm. plays special teams, but once again, you want to go with the younger player. Um Keith Smith's just lost too much at this point. I mean, yeah. if you let Ingold go then what are you going to do? You're going to put him on the practice squad. Then once again, you're risking him getting poached by someone else. And will someone actually poach a fullback? It's not yeah. like fullback's a hot commodity in the league. You know, there's probably like five offenses that really love fullbacks, which is only like the 49ers of Kyle Shanahan, but they're not going to touch him. They had Kyle yeah. Ustick yeah. or New England Patriots, who uh, honestly, Devlin. Bill Belichick might be the one who pick, who poaches him because I think he likes to carry two fullbacks or he likes to have an arsenal of them. Other than that, I'm not sure. So you could do that. You could do that because yeah. you're not going to put Keith Smith on there. That's He's going to be pissed. He's going to be pissed <laughs> about that. I know some people can be like, well, who cares? He's still on the team. But yeah, that's, I don't think that's how it works. You don't really put incumbent starters on the practice squad for the younger dudes. At that point, you just you just got to cut the ties and let them get a shot somewhere else. Well, yeah, I, um, I, I, I think Keith is actually ineligible for the practice squad. I see, but, yeah. But, you know, I thought Keith had a good game on uh, Thursday against the Packers. But the way I kind of looked at it is he had a good game for someone else, meaning he put together some film to maybe make someone else's roster. Yeah, Uh, I think it's pretty telling the fact that they let him play the whole game. And I don't even know if Ingold even suited up. And I mean, that to me tells me they're going with Ingold and doing Keith Smith a favor by letting him get some more film out there so he can maybe make somebody else's roster. You know, maybe Bill Belichick gives him a call, like you said, or something like that. But yeah, I, th- I think it's ultimately Ingold. Um, but if they are going to keep Martin and Washington, you know, that's going to be that's going to be five running backs if you lump Ingold in there, which yeah. not, not a problem. But obviously, you know, when we start looking at wide receiver, you know, we have A.B. Tyrell, Hunter Renfro and J.J. Nelson, who looks like a lock. Ryan Grant, who, you know, again, didn't even suit up on Thursday had two good preseason games in the first two and i mean the fact that he's not suited up yeah the fact that he's not suited up tells me he's gonna make the team especially with how gruden likes his veterans and then you have the guy that's kind of not screwing it up but making things more complicated is Dwayne harris because yeah he's a wide receiver but he might play 50 plays at wide receiver he's a special teams guy and then you know you have the decision to make of what the hell are you going to do with guys like Keelan Doss, Rico Gafford, and Marcel Aitman? I think Aitman's as good as gone. You know, not to say that he isn't a good player. I like him, but I think when you look at what everyone else has done, done specifically Keelan Doss and Rico Gafford this preseason, you know, he's kind of going to be on the way out, which brings me to the Raiders keep seven wide receivers on the roster. 
And that's why it's that's why I'm saying they don't I don't want they should not carry three quarterbacks. And yep. maybe that maybe John will will really advocate that I want to keep this Peterman guy, guys. You know, mm-hmm. I want to keep this Peterman man, man. So like Mike Mayock and his staff. But then they're probably gonna have to bring him down to earth. Like John, I know you like this project and you want to like prove that he's capable and prove to everyone. But you gotta yeah. look. But the we need to win some games this year. Yeah. But who's yeah. us to carry more of these receivers for just offensive purposes, development purposes, and special teams purposes? That's so much better. So who's us so much better just to prove Peterman? We already have a quarterback. What do you need Peterman for? And yeah. then even. Once again, I said last week, if, even if they really want to go deep, then trim the fat with Doug Martin, though I, I doubt that will happen. Yeah. But, yeah, man, I mean, no duh, the locks are A.B., Williams, Hunter Renfro. I mean, obviously, I think J.J. Nelson is a lock at this point mm-hmm. as well, regardless. And if <laughs> if Ryan Grant is, and that's five, Dwayne Harris, six. six. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's to me, it comes down to... Rico Gaffer and Keelan Doss, and honestly, probably more than that, it would be seven wide re- carrying six wide receivers or seven with Doss. You know, I think the way that Keelan Doss has played, and with him being featured on Hard Knocks, you know, he's not sliding under the radar for anybody. And I honestly think if they decide to, if if Doss gets cut just due to numbers, I I don't think he clears waivers. You know, I'm. Thinking about, I was thinking about it earlier. Seattle, they just announced that uh, DJ Moore, I forget David Moore, I forget what his name is, but yeah, David uh, Moore. David Moore, thank you. I think he's going to be on IR at least the short term IR. Start the mm-hmm. season injured. They drafted uh, DK Metcalf, but he's doubtful for Week One too. And the Seahawks are about to go play the Raiders, so I'm they're going to get a personal yeah. look. Yeah, they're going to get a first look. look. And I don't know. I don't know how much scouting they're going to do, but I imagine they're going to watch a little film and they're going to see 89 for the Raiders balling. And they're going to say, Hmm, we have a need at wide receiver. The Raiders might not have enough numbers. So it, we'll watch the waiver wire. They want DOS for the future. They got to carry seven. Cause I don't, I don't think he clears waivers. And with the Seahawks, they're like very well known for poaching yes. rookie young receivers, because that's how, that's how they won their games. Yep. Um, they were able to allocate that money, that star power elsewhere, and they just worked. They just whoever their wide receiver coach is for the Seahawks. I don't know if it's been the same, but whoever's been doing that has done a phenomenal job of developing these guys into yes. serviceable to have enough star moments for Russell Wilson. Which Russell Wilson is the one who's making them look good as well. But still, you, the wide receiver coach for these guys to like at least like beat the defenders from time to time is just phenomenal. So imagine what Ke- Keelan Dawes can do with that with that group up there. But yeah, dude, I don't think I feel like, you know what? I'm going to go on a limb and say I think they will carry Keelan Doss on the roster and carry seven receivers. You know, it's yeah. not like seven receivers is like an astronomical thing or something like no, that. It's like no. so far fetched. You know, plenty of teams do it. Yeah. Not not as many. I mean, think about it. If, especially if you're going to use Harris 99% of the time as a special teamer, then essentially they have to look at it. We only have five receivers. Yeah, what happens exactly. if someone goes down? We're just going to freaking just roll out DeAndre Washington at wide receiver? Like, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah. Keelan Doss will we'll make the roster. Uh, Rico Gafford, no, dude, you're gone. Pierre Sunil, you know, bye-bye. Gone. Sorry. Aitman especially, dude. I know, like, I can't believe it, man. I can't believe freaking – remember I was on freaking in the beginning of January on Raider Cody's podcast, and we were reviewing wide receivers, and I we had to talk about Marcel Aitman. And I was like, he's a big body, but I, what else is he good for? I mean, he's not mm-hmm. fast. Doesn't look like he has good route running. 
I mean, sure, you can catch, but let's never give a wide receiver credit for having consistent hands. It's your freaking job. You're in the NFL, all right? Don't give me that excuse you have consistent hands, all right? But, yeah, I think he's good as gone, man, unless somehow, like, like they're not able to stick him on the practice squad, right? Because he already was on it last year, I think. No, he's still eligible. You get, like, two or three years on the practice squad. Oh, okay. That's like, if, if you played, like, a full season or full two seasons, then you're not, then you're ineligible. But yeah, I mean, he could be a practice squad guy. I think he'll be a practice squad guy, yeah. and not like anyone's going to poach him. You know, no, he doesn't have much yeah. tape unless someone really wants a project. That is mm-hmm. a project wide receiver. Um, nah, man, keep Keelan Doss on there. He's quicker yeah. than he's quicker than um, than Marcel Aitman. He runs pretty cool routes. I mean, definitely a lot of work still there, but he does yeah. be- any, everything better than Aitman other than, like, he's not as great of a body, big body as Aitman, but... I mean, Keelan Nassus fits the, the ideal Derek Carr wide receiver, which is, like, some speed. You don't necessarily need to be mm-hmm. a speedster, but someone who can, like, knows how to work a defense somewhat and can run routes. That's and, pretty much it is. And I'm sure Derek Carr, as well as the coaching staff, were absolutely drooling at that sideline catch on, yeah. in the fourth quarter. I know I was freaking out watching that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, I think you got to keep Doss. You know, Gafford... You know, it is his first year playing uh, wide receiver. He played DB in his first year with the Titans and then played DB in college. I think he could be another candidate for practice squad. You know, Perhaps. give him more time. The guy ran, I was looking it up earlier, guy ran like a 425. The thing that I liked about Gafford on Thursday is he showed me more routes. He showed me a little bit more with the route tree. And, you know, that's why I'm kind of advocating a little bit for him to be on the practice squad, because I think if you give him more time at the position, you know, I'm not going to say he's going to be a a double move guy that can run every single route in the route tree. But with more time, we've seen him being able to run better routes. And if he can continue that, you know, maybe he's a guy that next year or down the line can really be a a deep threat for him. But this year it's going to be, I think. He's still too raw to really be on, to really warrant making this team. Oh, yeah, definitely. And just that that same thought process you have right there is exactly why Keelan Doss needs to be put on the team. Yes. Give him the actual practice reps yes. around with the backups and, and like, soak it in. You know, yeah. let him be around A.B. You can't just have mm-hmm. a bunch of receivers, veterans. You have to have a, at least one player in there <laughs> developmental. I mean, I know yeah, Hunter Renfro, true. sure. But Hunter Renfro, you're expecting to already be an immediate role player. Yeah, but you need to at least have another one. Ideally, you want at least like two developmental players, not not like complete projects, but you want two players that can like come in and play, but you want them to still like add on and continue. <laughs> at least with yeah. that Renfro, no duh, and you have Doss. You just can't have oh, just Renfro and that's it. That we're you know we met our status quo. Like no, all right, you know how long are you gonna have AB for? Other than the contract, I mean, sure if he balls out, then you can offer it, and who knows how that work if any random other drama happens in the future which i'm sure will happen <laughs> um you know tyrell williams i mean it's just ryan grant's on one year deal jj nelson yeah it's just you need to have someone there because in case if you want to let these guys walk at least like all right we can let them walk we don't have to we don't have to throw money at them because we know we saw Doss play well and we could just keep him have him fill in the, for those roles and elevate him on the depth chart all right, you can't. This isn't Madden where you just keep hugging and playing players from the free agency market and just be like, "Oh, we're just gonna do it this way and just never develop our players." All right, so yeah. I think Doss makes the team. Yeah, and then at tight end, Waller and Moreau, those two hey, are I the locks. I think it's a low key of a tricky one, a yeah. little bit. I was thinking about it. I was like, "Oh crap, how's this gonna work?" You know how many, how many tight ends are the Raiders gonna carry anyways? They're gonna carry four. They're gonna carry three. I think yeah. they're gonna carry three. I think so too. You think about it, if you, they do run a lot of 
tight end formations though, mm-hmm. so I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's another tricky position because you know you got guys like Derek Carrier and Luke Wilson who are pretty much two completely different players, and Wilson would kind of be like Foster Moreau's backup, if you will, and then Carrier would kind of be like Waller's backup. But again, mm-hmm. it comes down to a numbers game, and it comes down to the math. If we're if talking about up, keeping man. seven receivers, you know, is tight end the spot that they trim the fat a little bit and get those numbers? Do they keep three? You know, do they keep four? If it's four, I think there's the four is pretty easy. I think it's Waller, Moreau, Carrier, and Wilson. And then if it's three, I mean, it's going to come down to, you know, who has the better game between Luke Wilson and Derek Carrier. Low-key and underrated position. Yeah. But how it works out, it's... This is why I hate being so vested in these 53-man rosters, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm glad we're not keeping track of, oh, yeah. how many more do you have? Because yeah. it's like, you know, we're not there for practice the whole time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not like practice really makes or breaks these players, but it's at least something that's telling. And we're just, meanwhile, just watching them play in preseason games. But 100% who's staying is obviously no duh, Darren Waller. I think Darren, Derek Carrier is a lock. And Foster Moreau. Now, do they carry a fourth? I, I, that's tough. Yeah. Do they carry a fourth? Probably so. Um, I don't know if they're able to put Paul Butler on the practice squad if they do carry one. Yeah. That that could be a player that they just say, Paul Butler, go on the practice squad. We'll call you back when we need him because I know he was on it last year. Um, and once again, he hasn't shown anything, which is I'm saying they're just they're just rolling up. They're just there's really rolling a risk by keeping three and and if someone does get injured. Elevating Paul Butler at that point is just crap. Now we're really down to two because Paul Butler's not really gonna like be able be, a be able to yeah be able to contribute against like a starting caliber defense. Yeah. Does Luke Wilson match up? At least you know he can be. You can actually put him out there and have him be in a role. He can block okay. He can be an okay receiver. You know you're not gonna look for him for crucial moments, but he's someone that you can roll out there. It's tough. I think I think they're gonna have to keep three tight ends just based on the offensive line situation because you have two injured offensive guards yeah. or not injured offensive guards excuse me two missing offensive guards and that's an ex that's at least one position extra you have to throw in because you're missing two that you gotta you know fill in for but three tight ends foster moreau Derek carrier and darren waller yeah i mean honestly one thing that i think is going to be the determination between three and four is can this guy contribute on special teams? Mm-hmm. Offensive line, you know, you mentioned it, the suspension to Incognito, Gabe Jackson's injury, Denzel Good, Hurdy's back. I don't know exactly what his roster status is going to be like. Looks like he'll be back and we'll have to count against the 53-man to start the year. Mm-hmm. But I don't really see a whole lot of surprises. I mean, the biggest thing I can even think of would be maybe Brandon Parker gets cut because I think he's the fourth tackle right now behind Miller, Trent Brown, and David Sharp. And, I mean, the guy just, like, I was watching him on Thursday, and the guy just has some of the worst feet. I, I, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, outside of maybe Brandon Parker getting cut, I don't really see very many surprises coming from this group. How about you? Yeah, it's just uh, it's just really hard for me to tell at this point, just because yeah. it's like, wow, like the Raiders are really their backs are essentially up against the wall when you have two starters out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a little tough. You really got to shuffle, and it's like when you're shuffling, you're not really allocating a majority of snaps to one player. 
You know, I feel like mm-hmm. from reports I've seen just from the local B writers like Vic Tafer, like it doesn't seem like there's been a single so even even watching preseason, it doesn't look like they've been sold on a single guard that they want to <laughs> like just yeah. keep out there. Yeah. Um, I know I've heard I've heard of Jordan Debbie getting some reps. You know, Chris Wysong brought that up. Maybe he'll be out there. At least, you know, as a veteran, he won't be shirked from the duties. Just he might get a little bullied, of course. But at least, you know, he'll have ideally discipline out there and won't be like a knuckleheaded. He won't he won't have any, you know, mental errors, essentially. Yeah. But in terms of like, you know, Lester Cotton, I mean, he's still out, right? Um, Freaking. Yeah. It's just it's it's just hard to tell with the offensive line at this point, man. I mean, yeah. Brandon Parker, are they gonna who are they gonna put on there? Who are they gonna keep? It's it's tough. Yeah, it, it it's a tough call, especially like you said, with potentially three starters not being able to go week one. And you know what? It's a big decision, actually. Offensive line is arguably the biggest decision out of all the position groups because you really this is this is this is like a standard that everyone knows by now that the first two weeks are tough as hell. You know, yeah. Kansas City Chiefs just doesn't need any explanation of why it's tough. Denver Broncos, I feel like, is being severely overlooked by Overrated Nation, which we'll get to in next week's pod for previewing the Monday Night Football game. Yep. But yeah, man, you got you. That's that's two losses that could be because you didn't have a healthy offensive line, which is fair enough because yeah. you can't really control that. But then again, as coaches, you need to it's next man up, coach them up, develop them, figure out some schemes to get get out of that situation and make it easier in Derek Carr. Moving on man. to the uh, defensive side of the ball, you know, defensive end, you know, I don't really see any surprises. It's probably going to be, or it's going to be Farrell, Key, Moreau, Moyo, I can't say that. Benson, Moyoya, we'll gloss over that. And Mioa. then, <laughs> Mioa. Um, and then Max Crosby, you know, the biggest. We're going to have, a, we're going to have, a, we're going to have a little, uh, Hey, we're gonna have a little section. We're gonna have a little section where uh, we have you try to pronounce complicated names one day. No, please do not. <laughs> so we're gonna please do. We're gonna have you and another <laughs> another guest. Probably do a Chris one day or so, or freaking bring on bring on bring a Mo back on here. I want to hear him do some funny <laughs> names. I feel like that's gonna be hilarious. <laughs> All right, we'll give it a shot, but I I I'm, I don't know if I'm ready to uh, take on that challenge just for yet. a future episode. But anyway, uh, you know, I think. The only thing of note coming from the end position, Quentin Bell is probably going to be a practice squad guy. You know, oh, yeah. again, new to the position, hasn't really shown a whole lot in the preseason, but the potential's there. He's a guy you can develop in the future. But defensive tackle, you know, I think Ellis, Hankins, and Hurst are three locks, but Mo Hurst is, is getting Ellis a lot the- of reps. In the preseason, which is concerning. Hopefully, that's more because of depth. I don't think he has much to prove. But guys like like PJ Hall, I mean, we were talking about it before the show. He's yeah, he was a second round pick last year. But we heard Mayock before training camp start uh, started say that he needed to see more out of both him and Mohurst. And guys like Ethan Westbrook's coming on coming on the camp late and really showing up is going to make things harder for PJ Hall. And when you consider a guy like Anthony Rush, who hasn't necessarily shown up on the stat sheet, but I mean, I was watching Thursday, and you can go back and watch the other two preseason games. You know, he's damn near playing in the backfield every single play, and I'm, it's going to be an interesting one to see how it shakes out on Thursday. No doubt, no doubt. Um, it's just <laughs> who, you know what you said? Justin Ellis is a lock. Is he really going to be a lock? Yeah, is he? I say that apprehensively, honestly. Yeah, that's that's. 
who would have thought, I mean, <laughs> we already knew when James Archelana came on from Black Hole Banner and we talked about it, he felt interior defensive line was the Raiders' strongest suit. And I saw what he meant. I understood. I could see the hype around it. And it definitely, there definitely were no slouches. But in terms of, <laughs> well, obviously we didn't expect it this way because Ethan Westbrooks and Anthony Rushes weren't here a few months yeah. ago. Now they're here and they're on the scene and they're just crashing. Yeah. Now, and it looks like, you know, the Raiders, you, you, you would not look ideal if you let one of them, especially both of them, well, if you let both of them go. And think about it. They, Ethan Westbrooks, Ronald Ollie died for our sins so that Ethan Westbrooks <laughs> could succeed. So thanks a lot, Ollie, unfortunately, as much as I love you on, on your show and just as a person. But it's... I think Anthony Rush is going to be, at this point, it feels like, how, how can you justify cutting him? I mean, if you cut him, someone's going to pick him up. And it's going to be, you know what else is going to be telling on the final cut day? When you cut players and so many of them get picked up, that, that, can, be, that can be considered two things, and both can be true. Either one, you, did a, you made the mistake of letting this player go because this guy's got picked up immediately. Why are you letting him go for so-and-so? And two, you just had a bunch of talent and you just had to pick whatever you thought was like not not the priority player. So it's tough sledding once again, both sides of the ball on offensive line and defensive line. No duh Maurice Hurst, no duh Jonathan Hankins. Um bye bye Eddie V. Mm-hmm. You know, you just you just been a ghost, unfortunately. Injuries it happens and so is getting cut. It happens. You're gone. Yeah. Um Justin Ellis, I think I, I think so... he has a good chance to stay on. I'm, I think he does, I th- and I just looked it up while you are talking on overthecap.com. Um, if the Raiders cut him, they only save 250000 in the cap. Now, next year, they won't have any dead cap in him, which is working against him. But I think with that little of savings, it's not like he's a huge financial burden to the team. You know, yeah. I, I mean, Anthony Rush, yeah, he's had a great preseason, and you know, it would be tough for, to get him back. But I don't like. I don't know if he's done enough to really supplant Justin Ellis on the roster. And if Rush is going to replace anybody, I would think it would be him. As far as past Justin Ellis, you know, everyone else is kind of a pass rusher. And the reason why I say Rush can replace Ellis is Rush is much more of that run defend or run stopper that Justin Ellis is. And yeah. I mean, Ethan Westbrook's. You know, they the thing that's hurting him right now is they tried to play him at defensive end this last week, and he had his worst game of the preseason. You know, he does have that versatility that's going to help him because he played end in Los Angeles. But I, I got the feeling that they're trying to find a way for this guy to make the team, yeah. and that was maybe at end, maybe to replace someone like Mayoya. God damn it. Um, Whatever. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Maybe to replace him, and he didn't really do enough, in my opinion. And, I mean, as far as cutting P.J. Hall as a second-round pick, I see what you're saying, but at the same time, it it might be time to just cut your losses and save yourself the embarrassment instead of doing it next year, potentially. Oh, no. What do you mean save yourself the embarrassment? It's only his second year. Come on. Uh, on, I don't Stephen know, man. A. Hot Take Smith. What are you doing here? <laughs> maybe, maybe, oh, maybe. Come on, he's not gonna. I mean, he, I mean, once again, I told you, number one, he's not gonna let him go because of his ego. And he's like, I can't let go of a second round pick. I'm gonna get murdered. <laughs> I mean, true. and uh, and he do, he would deserve to get murdered because with especially from Raider Nation because of all the shit they give Reggie <laughs> McKenzie for his second round picks. Yeah, I hope that, you're gonna do true. it when 
when Big Daddy John Gruden cuts PJ Hall if it happens, which it's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. But yeah, dude, I think you know what? As much as I want to speculate, just for purposes, just Jelly's making it. You know, especially after yeah. you said, oh, 250k yeah. savings, not a great deal. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Jelly will make it. Ethan Westbrook's the thing is going to be gone if they can't put him on the practice squad. They can't. I think Anthony Rush makes it. He's ineligible. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Rush. Yeah, well, I think Westbrook's is a is a done do for sure. And it's just once again Eddie V. Um, PJ Hall, how are you going to find a role? I mean, did you say he was playing only in the fourth quarter in the last not, game? Not only just playing in the fourth quarter, which, oh, okay. you know, I, I think back to last year and I think back to uh, the last preseason game. And one guy that stood out to me as still playing in the fourth quarter was Mario Edwards Jr. And two days later, he got cut. Right. That's yeah. That's what makes me skeptical of PJ Hall. Preseason, you almost don't want to be on the field. You want to limit your amount of time on the field because if you're still on the field, that means the coaching staff wants to see more out of you, which, you know, it's, it's tough. But he did have a good game. You know, I just remember when he was getting one-on-one blocked, he was absolutely manhandling the guard in front of him. So hopefully for the guy, I hope they keep him. Um, you know, how it plays out will definitely be an interesting one. Those two situations are different, though, because Edwards wasn't Gruden's pick. That's true. Also true. <laughs> and also and true. I think 100% Gruden keeps in the back of my mind the players he's kept that he yeah. has. He wants to be more lenient towards because, once again, you know, he's known for not he's known for not take, actually winning the Super Bowl because it was Dungy's team, but yeah. I digress. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, it's just how that works. P.J. Hall, it, it's, it's, still, it's still definitely something that is an indicator that he had to play in the fourth. Yeah, you know, same, but, the, but the same could be said. Why the hell was Maurice Hurst playing the most of that game anyways? Mm-hmm. I thought that was True. stupid. Like, True. what does that mean? Is he working on technique, which I saw what 10 wins mentioned, which is like, that was the only thing I could have came up with other than that. <laughs> why was he playing in that? Yeah. That's, I think that's how it rolls out. That's also another position group that is tricky. Same thing as Edge. I think Edge is pretty self-explanatory yeah. at this point. There's, there's not really much to say about that. No, I mean, no. it, it kind of makes the most sense. But yeah. what, what doesn't make the most sense <laughs> is... Uh, who, why can't the Raiders ever find an answer at linebacker, Matt? God, uh, well, damn. I'm looking at the depth chart right now, and the highest draft pick they've spent on it is Markel Lee, who was a fifth rounder, I believe. Yeah. Everyone else is either Whitehead's free agency, perfect free agency, Marshall free agency, drafted in the fifth, Morrow free agent, undrafted free agent, Kimbinda, same thing, then Lee, and then Tavon Cooney, you know, another undrafted free agent. You know, that's that's one position that I've kind of been disappointed with in the preseason uh-huh. is just it just felt like no one's really stood out or at least in a good way so far in the preseason. And I, I would I wanted to see guys like Kabinda, Lee and Morrow really step up and even Cooney too really step up and kind of cement themselves as a future NFL starter. But we just haven't seen that, you know. I think they're going to keep six, and I think it's going to be pretty much chalk, if you will. You know, Whitehead, Perfect, Marshall, Lee, Cabinda, and Morrow, and then maybe Cooney on the practice squad. But not, no, I don't, I'd be surprised if we saw a surprise, if that makes sense, from the linebacker group. Yeah, I just, the linebacker group, dude, is arguably the, no, it's not arguably, it is the worst position group (laughs) on the team. And just for the mention, just for what you mentioned, I mean, we've already been on it before when we talked about linebacker with Mario. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, you get you get, you get what you deserve when you pick, when you just keep trying to dip into the bank, dip into the market for linebackers, and you're just yeah. going to the back end of drafts to get one. I mean, the Raiders never drafted a linebacker under Gruden so far through two drafts. 
And Paul Gunther himself thinks that, you know, you don't need to grab, you don't need to go high for a linebacker. I remember last year he said that when he entered his first year, when he was mentioning how he likes Nicholas Morrow, mm-hmm. he said, yeah, you don't need to go high for linebackers. You can still poach him in the back end of the draft and turn him into capable starters. Now, yeah. it's just because they're capable of starters doesn't mean they're good. You know, <laughs> capable starters, all right, cool. There's <laughs> talent there enough yeah. for you to start, but it doesn't mean you're making plays here and there. And, I mean, that's just, for me, it's showing uh, Gunther's hand a little bit, being a former linebacker coach. Being like, yeah, you can just coach up anyone. It's easy. Yeah, so, of course, he'll, he'll, yeah. he'll know best. And, once again, I'm going to pound the table. I know how, like, I was a little, like, questioning why Gunther was blitzing the hell out of Kyler Murray. I mean, I know, of course, you want to blitz the hell out of him. Mm-hmm. And it still was a little bit of like, hmm, but it was the best. It was the obvious game plan you had to do. I still I think he really hasn't shown his hand because, like I said, I'm still adamant that he's going to use at least three safeties, four safeties yeah. at formation for a good portion. I'm going to probably say at least like a third of the time, which is um, I feel like he's going to if even if he doesn't want to, he's going to be forced to because these linebackers can't cover to save their lives. <laughs> And players and teams who have running backs that can catch out of the backfield are going to abuse that matchup time yep. and time in and time out. You're going to want Abrams. You're going to want Carl Joseph, even Eric Harris to match yeah. up against his running backs coming out of the backfield, man. And just stick, just stick your best coverage linebacker out there, just one of them. Somehow, maybe even two if you have to, which I doubt it. You know, which I have hope for Morrow. I know I've seen him in camp when I was there and I've heard red things, but I feel like we're still waiting on him. Like, when when, when is it going to happen? You know, is it yeah. him problem or are the linebackers not, are not are the coaches not developing these guys or what's going on? Yeah. Um, I, I don't really think they can, they can carry six running back. I mean, uh, six, six linebackers. I think it's going to be five true, because yeah. they can carry more safeties. And that order, and that way they can play a, more of a bigger nickel with playing where the linebacker plays, I mean, where the safety plays as the linebacker. And that's pretty much what a lot of defense is doing, which is smart. You mm-hmm. know, it's the, it's the more ideal way because if you can have someone have that versatility of being able to come up for the run well and covered within those 10 yards, then it's good, which I think it's going to be Carl Joseph and Jonathan Abrams going back and forth, which is great. Yeah. Once again, it just wonders for your defense. And, uh, I mean, Again, similar to wide receiver, you know, they have Kyle Wilbur in that group that's not really a linebacker, but he's a special teams guy. And he's Rich Basacha, who's the assistant head coach. That's his guy, too. <clears throat> yep, and, exactly. And um, it's how the line, I'm, I'm very curious how the linebacker group shapes up the yeah. most, because I feel like there's going to be a surprise cut there. Definitely. You know, I, I saw I saw someone on Twitter mention like our surprise cut to be Brandon and Marshall. I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be the case because he's been running with the ones a lot yeah. so far. <clears throat> and it's like, how are you going to cut him when everyone else hasn't, there hasn't really been a clear standout. But at yeah. this point there has to be obviously a surprise cut. It's not going to be Whitehead or Murphy because those no. are the guys. Those are the maybe, two guys. Maybe, yeah. Maybe it is Brandon Marshall, which I think out of everyone on that on the linebacker group, Brandon Marshall has the actual like capability and talents to actually be the best. Now, I have we seen it? Is he done now? Because he hasn't been great for like two years. I, once again, I'm still gonna claim, stay claim that it's him and Moral that have to be the best, and even Lee. But other than that, who who else is there? I'm not sure. I mean, yeah. Tavon Tony is probably gonna go on practice squad. I mean, they're gonna keep Kabinda out there because he did all right, man. Uh, being the leader, being the last play year, caller, yeah. signal caller last year, and just the players that they brought in. Gunther loves versatile players, and Gruden does too. And versatile players in this day and age is, is the best. Because you can yeah. kind of like just 
nickel and dime other pieces because, oh, this guy can do these things. We just have him do these formations and just do whatever we want, which is LaMarcus Joyner. They haven't given him any reps of safety, but I still think they're going to see him at safeties at some point, which is smart yeah. and just the ideal thing. Just give him a different look. So I just can't wait to see how this is going to turn out. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Jonathan Abram take some reps at linebacker. Not full time, but yeah. like you said, when we start going into nickel, you know, <clears throat> they might. I could see them putting Abram as one of the nickel linebackers and really wanting with one true linebacker out on the field. And with that, it's going to make it even harder to keep a, a higher number of linebackers if you're not going to use them. Like, it's not, it's not as black and white as everyone thinks it is anymore. So in that yeah. case, that's why I think they're going to run with more safety formation. And yeah. I hope they do. I think it's going to be a fun thing to watch. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm looking at the depth chart. There's a ton of talent at safety. You know, you have, like you said, LaMarcus Joyner, probably more of a nickel back at this point. But when they're not nickel, I, you, you can't take the $10 million guy off the field. You got to leave him out there, put him at mm -hmm. safety. They have Carl Joseph. You know, it looks like he's going to make the team unless maybe he gets traded, which I doubt happens. And then you know, Eric Harris has played well for you, can play on special teams. And then, of course, Jonathan Abram. And there's, a, there's just a ton of depth at defensive back which kind of leads us to our next point that we've talked about a little bit already. Who's got to have a big game on Thursday out of the defensive backs? Uh, 100% it has to be Keyshawn Nixon if he yeah. wants to actually be on the team. It's just because he's he had one big game and has played okay through the first two doesn't mean he's a lock. I mean, I know most coaches already have an idea of who they're going to keep by the time it's game four. So game, game four is usually not going to be a huge stamp it's not going to be like, oh, you're done. You're, you're already on our team. Mm -hmm. But still, it's something that can be a convincing factor for a player like Keyshawn Nixon, especially considering how Nick Nelson has done. I feel like at this point, Keyshawn Nixon, play well this game, and you're in. Yeah. Play crap, and then now you're going to make us thinking again. But at least if you have Keyshawn Nixon out there, once again, special teams, and you have rotation on the back end, at least you know if you could put him out there, he's not going to flame out, he's not going to bust in coverage, and he's not going to – get a bunch of penalties, which I think Nick Nelson's going to do, just mm -hmm. the fact that he likes to be handsy too much. Keyshawn Nixon, yeah, yeah, that's the one player we need to watch for who needs a strong performance. Other than that, who else needs one? I mean, of course, Nick Nelson, but I feel like he's yeah. already dug himself in a hole. He hasn't looked anything like relative rough. this preseason. I mean, I'm sure he's maintained some of his coverages in other games, but, I mean, when you have a player who's been getting picked on and he's actually answered the call, it doesn't matter if you're playing your assignments, you're going to get overlooked, especially when you, after the, after the freaking grave, you dug yourself against the Packers last week. Yeah. I mean, with Keyson Nixon, you know, I completely agree with you that he needs to have another big game. He's had a good preseason to this point, but when you're an undrafted free agent trying to make the team, what you've done last week means shit. Like, you're, it's a week to week basis, and mm -hmm. you've got to perform again. Nick Nelson, after. After last week, and I mean, like I talked about in the beginning, the whole preseason has not been kind to him. And this is where he shined last year. So I think for Nick Nelson, he's, he's as good as gone. You know, he's, he's playing for mm -hmm. someone else's roster on Thursday, making the game important for him. Maybe they stash him on practice squad, but he, he's as good as <laughs> I think as he'll gone. get stashed. Yeah. I don't think anyone's going to pick him up, especially with the favors he's done. It's not like he has any tape from last season or yeah, tape exactly. right now. He's a project at this point. I mean, I feel like he, there's some talent there, which maybe the mm -hmm. practice squad will do him some good. So, yeah, it's just how curious how the cornerbacks, that's one position that's going to be running tight and low as well because, obviously, Gary and Conley, Darren Worley starters, Trayvon Mullen will be the next man up. 
And then Nevin Lawson, are you going to be here, man? I mean, I know he's been getting overlooked by Raider Nation. I just can't help but diminish what he's been the last four years of consistent starters who hardly miss games. Yeah. If you're a consistent starter for four years in this league at cornerback, you have some talent that's worthy out there, especially if he's going to be a depth chart player, then I feel comfortable with him being the number fourth player. Yeah. But once again, suspension does him the worst of the favors more than his performance. Uh, how he makes it, I think it's going to be tough, but I feel like just because the Raiders like going with veteran players, they're going to have to be like, you know, we got to keep him. Yeah. And that's what's going to make it a little tough on players like Isaiah Johnson and tough on players like Keyshawn Nixon. That cornerback spot, you know, I mean, I've said it before. There's, you can look at it from both ways, and I've been playing devil's advocate for the last two months now. It can be viewed as best depth overall, which I think is true. They've had the best depth at corner in years, but there is no standout talent. I mean, Conley, sure, but he still needs some proving to do. Worley played well the last five games of the season last year, but he still needs to show some. Other than that, what else are these players? We're, we need to see more. When the Broncos come into town, we're going to see a lot. I mean, luckily for their case, they don't really have standout receivers outside of Emmanuel Sanders and maybe even Cortland Sutton if he's blossomed. I think cornerback's going to be a position that runs tight with just no more than five in that group. As far as coming between Nick Nelson and Nevin Lawson, you know, I think with how everything's played out, it, it'll probably be Nevin Lawson out of the two for a lot of the reasons you were talking about. Yeah. We got to talk about Hard Knocks. I, I like the third episode, but, you know, I think it was pretty clear what you were talking about after the first one, where they're very, very reliant on Antonio Brown for content. Mm -hmm. And I just like, I don't know, at the end of the episode, I'm like, I just felt like it was way too much Antonio Brown. I get it. Like he's the most, uh, most marketable player for the Raiders right now. And obviously with everything going on, he's the biggest storyline. But like, I, I, I don't know. I really didn't need to see Antonio Brown making people Gatorade on the sideline. <laughs> and the other thing I noticed is every time Drew Rosenhaus and Antonio Brown showed up, they parked in the red. Like, wow. I know, right? they? And I guess it's just because Antonio Brown's always in the red zone. Wow. That was me doing Did you shh? You've been working that all week? Oh, all week. I've been, I've been perfecting it and getting the delivery down. But All right, cool. Now perfect saying Mayoa, <laughs> and then you can continue this podcast. But anyways. Right, we'll move on. But anyway. <laughs> I don't know, Jose. Like overall, I'd say I liked the episode, but yeah, like I said, it was just it was a little too much, a little too much AB for me. I, I kind of like I said last time, I like the Hard Knocks episodes that focus on the players we don't necessarily know about, and you know, I thought felt they got away with it, away from that a little bit. But overall, it was good. I don't know. What do you think, Jose? Oh, uh, if you ask the people of Pittsburgh, was there enough AB? They would say <laughs> no. We true. had enough since they were the most they were they were the number one market to watch Hard Knocks. Yeah. It's kind of funny, dude, like, <laughs> how they, they're still so obsessed with this guy. Like, it's, Jesus Christ, get over it. Jesus, it's over. The same way, like, you know what? I, I can say this as, I don't want to say it as a Raider fan, but I can say it as someone who is over Cooper and still kind of supports him in a way. Mm -hmm. I think it's funny how some people in Raider Nation want to <laughs> say, hey, Steelers fans, get over it. And then still Look talk in the about mirror. You're still talking about Amari Cooper. But yeah. when people... And they pick and choose what they want to do. Oh, get over AB. Hey, Amari, you, Amanda Cooper, you suck. Hey, don't bring up Kalu Mac. It's over with. Like, come on, man. Stop picking and choosing. This, that's one thing I just get sick of. But anyways, yeah, Pittsburgh being all lovey-dovey still with AB. I love that he tweeted that. My ex still thinks about me. I thought oh, that was yeah. hilarious. That was awesome. Go ahead. That, Rub it in their hands. 
That is true. That little troll job by AB did kind of make it worth it. Just just knowing that like so many people in Pittsburgh were watching it and basically half the episode was just Antonio Brown, like that did make it did make it feel a little bit better. That's like, oh yeah, we're just gonna rub it in. And you know what? I don't wanna say all the Pittsburgh fans are bad either. It's the same way as not all Raider Nation fans are that's dramatic. I'll say you know, for those fans, maybe some of the fans that tuned in are like, hey, I want to see football and the Raiders. I want to see it when they be because, you know, AB was cool. I mean, it sucked the way it went out, you know, the same mm-hmm. way as like, hey, I want to see I want to I want to watch yeah. Amari with the Cowboys. I mean, it sucked the way it went out. It's too bad he didn't work out. You know, he still bought out for us. Yeah. But regardless, I mean, that's how it was. But yeah, dude, I, episode three was cool. But episode two so far took the cake. You know, yeah. a, the, the, the for sure going on AB because he's an interesting cat. He is an interesting dude, but I like John Gruden better. Mm-hmm. In episode three, it felt like they totally did it for the cameras. It felt so like, you know, that yeah. little moment where like, hey, thank you for supporting me. Like, ah, oh, come on, dude. You mean to tell me that wasn't <laughs> for the cameras? But I'm just saying, like, let's not let's not take everything 100% for face value on these shows. You know, they do know the camera's rolling the same way like Josh Jacobs has been avoiding. Why some, <laughs> I see some fans as well are getting annoyed. Like, where's Josh Jacobs? I like Jacobs. That'd be that'd be me. Staying away, being Do your just, thing. just get my money and ball out and stay away from the cameras. And but this episode was underwhelming again. I mean, I thought it was better than the first one. Give me more Gruden cussing out and saying some things, <laughs> and let me see some more in-depth coaching things. But I think for for one thing, that's for sure, we're not going to see the inside the position groups and film rooms like we saw from like the Browns last season and other such. I think the Raiders have really, yeah. really been stead firm. Like, hey. We'll give you like little twenty second looks, but no more. All well, right, which yeah. is why we saw from like those little rooms where, where they were asking Gruden, "Hey, who do you want to roll out?" Oh, I want to run out with Glennon. Like yeah. when he's talking about for that little for a little, little little minute excerpt. That's pretty much the best we're getting. And then that, it's just they're just limiting that coverage. And the thing to keep in mind with Hard Knocks is that the team gets like final cut, final say of what gets shown. So like you're talking about. You know, we're not seeing as much in the meeting rooms, and that's probably because the Raiders don't want that being shown, whatnot. You know, I know that was, we talked about that as one of their concerns of being on the show. Going on what you're talking about with Gruden being supportive, you know, I do think that Gruden wants to support AB, but where I think it's coming from and why I think he's putting up with it and being as positive as, as he can be is because he knows if he's, you know, harsh on ab right now or really shut down shut down yeah exactly ab is going to shut down kind of like what we saw from him in pittsburgh you know ab is that guy that needs to feel supported uh 100 you know i've played with guys like that before Mm -hmm. and uh, you know i think that is his personality so i think gruden's being much more patient with him than you know he really wants to be sure and i mean at the end of the day i like we were talking about this on Twitter. I highly doubt John Gruden is okay with his best player missing practice because of a helmet. Well, yeah, let me let me try to like clarify what I said. I, yeah. I don't think they know the cameras are on, but I'm not saying that his He's support like, is fake. false. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His no. support is not false. I'm just saying that they want to make it known because they he can still have full support, but they just just because they has it doesn't mean you need to make it known. I mean, it's just they knew it was on TV. They wanted to, they they wanted to make it known. You know, have everyone watch it, but. Yeah, of course. I doubt Gruden liked that either, but which is why I saw some people were talking about, oh, the Raiders are handling this well by making this a bad cop, good cop. And you know what? Maybe that is a good way because Gruden was the one that wanted AB. Whether Mike Mayock wanted him truly or not, we'll never know because he doesn't call the shots. And of course, he's not going to 
put it out there. Hey, I didn't want AB, even though Gruden wanted him. Like, no, that's that's the that'd be the worst thing for it to happen. But no, that was a great thing. Mayock called him out. Perfect. Are you all yeah. in or out? Why you keep going back and forth, dude? We're tired of your little BS. And like, he responded. Honestly, he responded. He showed up the yeah. next day. I give AB like, credit. Exactly. He came back. And I think in the end of the day, he's gonna have to wear the helmet. He's already enough evidence against himself that the NFL can use, which, once again, I think that is... I'm pretty sure that is why he's been skipping practice. I mean, it sucks, and I understand it. Wish he went there, but it's just... Just, just me thinking that makes it gets, gains me a little bit more clarity now. It's yeah. just really a bad position, but it's ah, it's really unfortunate. Of course, only it happens to the Raiders. Yeah, of course. <laughs> no, There's never, never lacking in drama over here. Never. Finish it up with... A quack of the week that Raider Nation knows about. Quack of the week is back. It's another Fox Sports 1 guy. Jason McIntyre or whatever the hell that fool's name is. Oh my god. This guy makes Daffy Duck look look more, look like a human with the way this guy is a quack. I swear to god. I don't understand this guy with how much of the banter he's been going on. It's so funny, even last episode where apparently we killed AB, where we talked trash about him, like, no, we, we called it for what it is. We're not like these other media heads, a.k.a. Jason McIntyre, <laughs> who took that completely out of context, grew it in the ground, let it grow into a tree that made no sense of content, where he was just pulling apart that, out of nowhere. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> this guy was just grilling. It's like, this is what I hate about Fox Sports 1 especially, and why I never watched <laughs> the crap they put out there. All they do, the moment they hear one little bad thing about someone, especially when it's AB, especially when it's the Raiders, cool, one little bad thing, I'm going to run with it, and somehow just branch on all on this other little BS and just go speculation hell. This guy talking about, I didn't even know Raider fans existed. I don't really know. What are you talking about, dude? You're talking about the team. How are you saying we're irrelevant? How are you saying the teams are relevant when you're talking about them? Rent free. You can't say you can't, you can't say that they're irrelevant when clearly you and your network, other people are talking about them. It doesn't matter how crap a team is. You're not irrelevant if you're getting talked about, all yeah. right, no matter what. I mean, sure, you're, sure your record's relevant. You can say that, but you could yeah. still – if you're 0-16, you're not irrelevant because you're going to get talked about. Yeah. All right? That's why the Detroit Lions are talked about. The Browns have been getting talked about for years because they can never do anything. And they're never relevant. They're not relevant. They're relevant, sure, in terms of the postseason. But come <laughs> on, man. You guys are just this guy is just a quack. And the fact that he blocked so much of Raider Nation just, just shows soft. that it just proves the point that he was just on there just to talk crap and gain attention. He has no facts, no reason, no justification for his standpoint. That is why he went on there on Fox Sports One, going up against no one in a debate, just to put it out there. <laughs> Because he knows what he's saying came out of his ass. I saw our boy Kung Fu Kenny King Jr. out there trying to actually be civil with this guy. And he's just, and this guy's firing back <laughs> at Kenny, just belligerent, just, oh, yeah. you can't handle it. Like, what are you talking about, dude? <laughs> you know, the, once again, just proving the point, he has no points and just wants to spew hot bullshit. So, Jason McIntyre, you're a quack. <laughs> You do not deserve to be talking anything because you yourself should be irrelevant. You're not irrelevant <laughs> because I'm talking about you, but you should be. Yeah, it is getting ridiculous. But Jason McIntyre, um, Jose's Twitter handle is at jsanch underscore 21. We're going right? to tag him in this Tag in this him episode. in it? <laughs> All right, we'll make sure to do that. We'll get blocked too probably in 0.1 seconds. <laughs> probably. Because he's such a little sensitive Sally over there. <laughs> 
<laughs> you work on the national media. I can't even handle the backlash. What a soft ass. We'll definitely make sure to tag him in this. But all right, guys, that's all we got for you on this episode. Follow the pod on Twitter if you're not already, at SweepFly. Follow me, at MHolder95. Jose, what's, where can the people find you? At JSanch underscore 21. Next week, people previewing the week one Monday Night Football against the Denver Broncos and reviewing the roster. Stay tuned for that. And next week, maybe we'll make Matt talk some – say some <laughs> – make him say some say complicated some? words. Hey, say uh, Ben Mayoa again, Matt. Uh, all right, guys. Well, this is, <laughs> we're going to wrap up this right now. If you haven't already, give us a five-star review on uh, whatever platform you use to listen to this. Make sure you include your favorite Raider moment or favorite Raider. We'll read it to, on the show and give you a shout-out. All right, until next week. Guys. Hey, loves it.